0: Welcome to episode 171 of Reclaiming the Faith.
1: Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Today we'll be discussing 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 through 12.
0: You can find links to all of my resources at philsbaker.com and if you're blessed by this episode, please consider leaving a positive review on our Apple podcast channel Reclaiming the Faith.
1: You can check out my catalog of podcasts on my show, The Faithful Podcasts with Stephanie Baker.
0: Also, I've got a new book, The Final Abominable Temple, which you can purchase in audio, digital, hardback, and paperback formats on Amazon. And if you've read it, please consider leaving a review there too.
1: And finally, we're blessed to be a part of Omega Frequency. You can find links to all of our content there at omegafrequency.com.
0: All right. Let's get into episode 171. All right, Stephanie, when we left off last time, at the end of chapter three, Paul was talking to the Thessalonians about how he wants to come see them and uh, visit them so that he can complete what is lacking in their faith. And then he gives them a blessing. And he says, now may the God and father himself and may our God and father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all God's people and for all people, just as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And we're gonna see some of those themes um, be continued here as we begin chapter four today. Uh, We're gonna see some of those issues um, be uh, expounded upon. Paul's gonna talk a little bit about how the Thessalonians and we too can grow in our love for one another, how we can grow in holiness. Um, so um, Stephanie, would you mind go ahead and uh, reading chapter four, verses one through
1: 12? Sure. All right. Finally then brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another for that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you brothers to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one.
2: All
0: right. So uh, you're going to see some words used frequently in this passage how to walk or how to live, holiness, that kind of deal, Uh, commandments or instructions. You're seeing these things play out quite a bit. Um, Yeah. So, uh, sanctification also. More and more. More and more. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Before we uh, dive in kind of in a more uh, trees versus forest way, anything... Just kind of standing out to you as a whole, or do you want to just get to it?
1: Let's just go into it.
0: Okay. All right. So Paul's going to start elaborating, like we said it in the intro, on some of the things he's been uh, telling them, ways to grow in love toward one another. And he gets right into um, instruction and commandments. So verse one, we request you brethren, and he's using family language again. Now, these were Gentiles predominantly. There are, there are some Jews, certainly in the church of Thessalonica, but if you remember from Acts 17, it's predominantly Gentiles, and yet Paul is calling them brethren. They've been brought into the family of God. How are they brought into the family of God, Steph?
1: Through the blood of Jesus.
0: Yeah, faith in the blood yeah. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is Abraham's seed. He's the promised descendant of Abraham. Abraham, who would be a blessing to the world. Abraham's descendant, his seed would inherit the world. So, Galatians, it's some Romans as well. And uh, so, this was always God's plan. God's not just about the land of Israel. He's about reclaiming the nations. He's about the knowledge of God filling, the glory of God filling the whole world. And Psalm 24 talks about the earth is the Lord's and everything in it because he founded it, he created it. So he's trying to bring it all back. And it's not just about the actual like land, it's about the people, right? And so, yeah, so Paul's calling these people brethren, these Gentiles. This is Really important, you're gonna see this throughout this passage, okay? Mm -hmm. So these Gentiles are called brethren. Keep that in your mind. Okay, so we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that just as you received instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, that you do this more and more and more. Okay, for you know what commands, yeah, I think yours said instruction. It can, it can go either way, mm-hmm. instruction or commandments. Right. Uh, we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. What commands would Paul be giving the people? Well, let's go back to the end of Matthew's gospel. Stephanie. Yep. Can you please... Read for us Matthew chapter 28, mm-hmm. verses 18 through 20. Now, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. He's told his disciples to go to the mountain that had shown him in Galilee.
1: Um. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
0: All right. So you see two key words from that passage in Matthew that you see here. You see the words. command, And you see authority. Mm -hmm. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And for go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I have
1: commanded.
0: Right. Okay. So, and I'm with you. Go into all the nations. That's ethnos there. Okay. So go to all the Gentiles, basically. All go the throughout the whole... Groups. All the people groups. Yeah. Everywhere. Because we want to make them our I'm brethren.
2: Welcome.
0: Yep. Yeah. Our, our family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, Paul is trying to fulfill this great commission. Okay? So, what commandments would he be giving them in the Lord Jesus?
1: To make disciples.
0: Right. He's teaching them to observe everything that Jesus commanded.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, he's making disciples by teaching the Thessalonians to do.
1: Do what abs- Jesus
0: did. Yes, and to do what Jesus taught.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're going to get into now what did Jesus teach concerning sexual immorality? Because the next verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God. Who is God according to Paul? Well, it's Jesus. He's the Lord, He's Yahweh. Okay. So this is God's will. This is the Lord Jesus's will, your sanctification first. So your holiness, you being set apart for him. Yeah. And one of the ways that you're set apart for him is through you abstaining from sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Okay. What were you going to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I... I think that that's, I mean, that's a very explicit thing in this passage talking about abstaining from sexual immorality, but I also kind of take that each one of you know how to control his own body in honor and holiness, not in the passion of lust. Like, that applies to so many areas of our life. So, obviously, sexual immorality is no bueno, but there are so many other areas where lust and passions take control and i just i don't know i guess i'm just kind of aware that sometimes there's a little bit uh more of a emphasis on sexual sin and i want to make sure that we're clear that this is obviously not the um the only thing that can be taken away from that
0: it's it's Definitely not the only thing that should be taken away from that, but it is the focus of what Paul is talking about here. Passionate lust, not as Pat. Now, we're going to get into that a little bit more in a second, but to highlight your point, which is a very, very important point, before Paul gets into sexual immorality, he talks about your sanctification. Yeah. So the reason that This is the will of God. Before he says that you abstain from sexual immorality, he says your sanctification.
2: Yeah.
0: The reason that we abstain is because first, we have been set apart for God's purposes completely. Like all of you has been set apart, first of all. Every part of you. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So to, to highlight what you're saying... I think a really good passage to look at is John 13 verses 12 through 17, okay? If you don't mind pulling that up, Steph, John 13 verses 12 through 17. So this is on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, He took off his outer garments and... uh, Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments... Um, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them.
0: Okay. So, for this is God's will, your sanctification. How might John 13, 12 through 17 speak to a holistic approach of that verse? This is God's will, your sanctification.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's just demonstrating is his humility overall and his ability to um, or his modeling of what he wants to see in the disciples, which is like putting others above yourself and um, taking on the role of the servant for others so that others can, you know, see and experience the love that Christ has.
0: For sure. For sure. And that's definitely a command from Jesus that we act like him, Mm -hmm. right? So this is by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to walk as he walked. We're supposed to do that. So this is part of the great commission. At least this tradition, right? This part of uh, uh, teaching people to observe all that he commanded. Now, in terms of like, sexual, you know, abstaining from sexual immorality. um, That that term abstain literally means to have one thing, to like keep one thing by separating from another. Now-
1: You got to explain that a little more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like in order to have one thing, You've got to renounce something else. Okay. Think about marital vows.
1: Like forsaking all others.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. In order to have your wife, you have to forsake all others.
1: Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess unless you we've got multiple wives.
0: <laughs> right. But like you you're gonna see like a really good example of this idea. In the next chapter of 1 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians five twenty-one and 22, Paul said, and he does it like in reverse order. He says, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. So in order to hold, in order to really abstain from evil, you've got to be holding fast to what is good, or in order to hold fast to what is good, you have to be abstaining from what is evil.
1: I'm not sure if this is the same thing but it's kind of reminding me how of like during like lent or that or that um practice of lent like there's a lot of people that will teach like rather than abstaining from something like you should add something that is positive or add something that is like redemptive rather than just like I'm not going to drink sodas for 40 days or whatever it's like this practice of like choosing holiness is going to help with those other, you know, vice-like behaviors in your life.
0: Yeah, or what any kind of fast that you're going to do, mm-hmm. like you need to replace that whatever you're abstaining from, re- replace it with prayer or some kind of positive uh, time where you're engaging God. Right on the Sabbath day. I mean, it was it was designed originally not just to abstain from work but to engage God not just to rest from labors but to intentionally commune with with your maker so uh, now um, this uh this command that Paul is giving them Paul also received a um, In Acts, two chapters earlier at the Jerusalem Council. So, if you remember, there was this whole big ordeal about what command, what Old Testament commands do the Gentiles have to follow? Do they have to be circumcised in order to be Christians? And they come to this decision no, no, that is definitely not something they have to do. That's not the sign that they are now in the family of God. It's do they have the Holy Spirit? And that's not, by the way, speaking in tongues. It's, do they have, are they believing in Jesus? If so, then the sign that they're in Jesus is the Holy Spirit. If by the Holy, if by the Spirit of God, you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh or the works of the flesh, you're this, you're, you know, a child of God. If by the Spirit of God, you're crying out, Abba, Father, then the Spirit of God is in you. You know, like there are all these test that Paul gives in in the book of Romans, the how you know you're a son of God, this kind of idea. But um, in in that council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, uh, James decides, he says, therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they may abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication, that's pornea, and from what is strangled and from blood. Okay, by the way, uh, so so, no idolatry, no pornea, and from things strangled and from meat with blood in it. Now, if the Gentiles are abstaining from meat that are or animals that have been strangled or have blood still in it, that's gonna cause them to go to a Jewish butcher, which should help uh, bring about conversations between Jew and Gentile, which is really good because that's kind of forcing uh, new friendships to develop, hopefully. You know, so this is a really good thing that's being done by uh, this, or that's, this decision is really healthy for creating um, a communion, fellowship between Jew and Gentile. But this pornea idea is... Uh, Take should take someone right back to Leviticus 18. But within that whole chapter, you see all kinds of like just wild sexually deviant behavior um, and some things that are not necessarily like taboo in culture, but that are inappropriate. And so all of those type of sexual sins fall under the banner of Pornea or sexual immorality. And so, whenever Jesus talks about sexual immorality, which he does a few times, um, he does, I believe, three times in um, the Gospel of Matthew. I can, it's either three or more, but three for sure in Matthew 5, and Matthew 15, and Matthew 19, he, he uses pornea. Um, but um, yeah, let's look at one real quick. So, Stephanie, can you read Matthew 15? And then we could go into a whole long rant uh, on Phariseeism, but we won't. We'll shorten it up and we'll just do verses uh, 17 through 20. Okay. So, Matthew 15, 17 through 20.
1: Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, false witness, theft, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone.
0: All right. Now Jesus here is clearly talking about a pornea of the heart in one sense. Like this is like, Perverted thoughts, right? And um, kind of like in the same way that he's talking about um, looking at a woman with with lust in Matthew five, but in Matthew five, he talks about how we're sub- like divorce is he is not for divorce at all, and this is also in Matthew nineteen, except for the reason of fornication. Now he's most likely talking about literal sexual immorality, like cheating on your spouse. Yeah, in that situation. So I would imagine that Paul is talking about like literal like we need to abstain from every form of this stuff. I th- like I think Paul is talking about both kinds here in First um, Thessalonians four. Okay, we need to abstain from it in both ways because Jesus uses the porneia in both ways. Mm-hmm. So if he, if Paul is relaying the commands of Jesus, then he's going to relay both the heart manner of ab- abstaining mm-hmm. and the literal way of abstaining. We, we need to don't you know don't do both, right? Right. And if you and if you stop at the heart level, if you cut it off at the heart level, then you won't. Do the literal level also, but start with the heart, like watch your heart, guard your heart first,
2: Mm.
0: and then, you know, you don't have to worry as much about the other. Right. Yeah. Now, as we continue, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, this is where it gets a little bit weird for a second, and then we'll go back to like, for me, cooler nerd stuff. All right. But 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now in verse 4, can you read me your translation, Steph?
1: That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Yeah. That's 4 and 5.
0: Yeah. So... It
1: says body instead of vessel in my translation.
2: Yeah.
0: This is most likely talking about the sexual organ. Mm. Okay. Like there's a... Like this was not created. This is not a bad thing. Everything that God has created is good as long as it's used in its proper way. Use this in sanctification and honor, right? Like there's a, there's a good godly way um, for these body parts to be used. You know, now the... The the cool nerdy part for me is not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. Notice how he's making a distinction between the brethren and the Gentiles,
1: the Gentiles who do not know God. I thought he was like that's all one thing, not just Gentiles and well, I guess it's kind of assumed if it's a Gentile they don't necessarily. All right, never mind.
0: Yeah, I mean it could be it could it could be the Gentiles who don't know God.
1: Versus those
0: who do. Or it could be like the Gentiles who don't know God, Mm -hmm. right? Either way, it's interesting because he's saying, you Gentiles or you brethren Mm
2: -hmm. who
0: include Gentiles do know God. Now, when Paul is saying, you know God, What he is hearkening back to is a passage from Jeremiah 31, which is called the new covenant passage. So, Steph, all right, will you read Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34?
1: Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more.
2: All right.
0: Now I know there are gonna be some people that are listening to this that may think that that does not apply to the church. But uh, Luke says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Lord's Supper stuff. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. All right. Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, I'm passing on to you the tradition that was handed down to me that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup. After pouring, he gave to them. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And he continues. All right. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about the new covenant again. He's saying that we have a covenant that's better than the old covenant. Our covenant is written not on tablets of stone, but with the spirit. Hebrews chapter 8 through chapter 10, writer of Hebrews talks about how Jesus instituted the new covenant better than the old covenant. The old covenant is old and passing away. All right. So this is the new covenant. I'd also encourage people to read the book of Galatians, particularly chapter four, where uh, chapter three and chapter four and chapter five and maybe chapter six.
1: The whole book is good. Well, it's, it's a
0: lot of new covenant stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Paul here is uh, really citing a not the entire new covenant passage, but a lot of it. So remember in the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, God says, they will be my people, right? And I will be their God. Well, how did Paul reference the uh, Thessalonians? What did he call them? That's right, brethren. And if you remember in chapter one, verse four of the letter to the Thessalonians, he called them brethren, beloved by God, Chosen by God. This is a predominantly Gentile church. They are now God's beloved and elect. Mm -hmm. Two words that are used of Israel in the Old Testament. Exodus stuff. All right. Also, God's promise is they will all know, know me from the least to the greatest. They will all know me. Well, um, Paul says in chapter four, verse five of Thessalonians that the Gentiles don't know God, but he's saying you guys do. By saying don't, you know, you guys need to be able to control your, you guys should be controlling your bodies. Not like the Gentiles who don't know God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's, he, what's he therefore saying?
2: He's...
0: you guys do yeah. know God. <laughs> so of course you guys should be controlling your bodies. And why should you? How do I know that you guys know God? Well, because he, as you will see, keeps on referring to how they have God inside them, who is God, the, that's right, the Holy Spirit. You just keep on seeing the Spirit the Holy Spirit over and over in this passage. Now, what does he say in uh, Jeremiah 31? I will put my law within them. I will put my law within them. Well, they have the Holy Spirit within them. Mm -hmm. That is the law. So I just wanna reference just a couple of things real quick, okay? This is from John 14, uh, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper or an advocate, paraclete, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. Him because he abides with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. Now, part of this job of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth and to help us obey God, right? So, to obey the commandments of God, that's part of the new covenant. I will put my law on their hearts. Well, John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Okay, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Remember John thirteen? If I, your teacher, have washed your feet, so you also should wash another's feet, right? So let's go back to First Thessalonians four, six through seven. Can you uh can you read that for us, Steph? First Thessalonians four verses six through seven.
1: Yeah. Um, kind of starts in the middle of a sentence. Let yeah. no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness.
0: All right. So If we are acting sexually immoral, we are transgressing, which means you see the line and you're like, oh, yeah, and you're stepping right over that intentionally. Okay. So when we are acting sexually immoral, we are transgressing and what does your say? Defrauding? Defrauding.
1: Uh, Sorry, hold on one second.
0: Verse six. Verse
1: six says that uh, wrong.
0: Wrong or defraud.
1: Yeah, no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter.
0: Yeah. Now that's interesting. And the word is really brother in this. Now, of course it could apply to a sister, but this is, it's not like the Adelphoi, which is like, um, brother or sister, this is like a man who is like, you could say like having premarital sex and, you know, he's having sex with a woman who ends up not being his wife, you know, which is what I did, you know, as a single person. And it's it's horrible because I'm, I defrauded that man's future wife I took something that didn't belong to me. you know so this is like this is horrible. I lived out what that what that verse says you know um, now continuing to move on it says because like Paul says you you should not do this because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. And he says, we told you this before. We warned you about this. We solemnly warned you about this. Now, Paul is going to not use this exact word again, but he's going to hit on this theme again of the Lord being an avenger of people who wrong you, like speaking of people who wrong the church. um, He's going to do that in the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians so this is another uh, somewhat lengthy passage. It's not terrible, but Steph, can you go to Second Thessalonians, chapter one? Uh, it's going to be verses six through ten. Um, it'll be like ten a. So you're you're in verse ten. It's probably going to come to a period before the verse ends. But again, like they're going through affliction, and Paul is like just. Stay faithful, hold, hold, like don't repay evil for evil, just that kind of a thing, okay?
1: Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord God, or Jesus, sorry. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed.
0: There you go. Oh. So.
1: It had more to that sentence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. What are you getting from that in terms of like God being an avenger?
1: Um I mean it sounds pretty strong against the people that hurt you or afflict you that there is going to be you know flaming fire vengeance Yeah it's it's pretty all encompassing for those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel. Yeah. And it's eternal destruction and I think that this section that are the little sentence fragment that away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Um, I think that is that, that the fact that that is with eternal destruction, it's like, it's not only just like horrible things happening, you're away from the source of all goodness. So that part.
0: All right. Yeah. Like, um, we're gonna see a little bit more of this in um, in terms of the church's responsibility in 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, when Paul will say like, see that no one pays back evil for evil. Again, Paul like quoting Jesus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, now Paul comes back to the Holy Spirit again in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, he says, S- so, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That's a powerful verse. He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. When I read that the first time, it made me think about um, the people clamoring for a king in the days of Samuel and God's like dude they're not rejecting you they're rejecting me dude yeah <laughs> and and yeah. and God's like and you know what we're going to give them exactly what they want they don't want me they want they want to be like the nations we're going to give them we're going to give them that
1: see what it's like apart from his provision
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm okay. yeah Now, that word reject, uh, atheteo literally means to like cast aside, to annul, um, to despise, to cancel, to disregard, to pass over, to perceive as something that lacks value. Um, it's, It's terrible. Now, why they would look at it that way I don't know why they would look at that teaching that way. Um, Maybe it's a a hyper grace thing. Um, An early form of like, like hyper grace teaching that could correspond maybe with like a early branch of Gnosticism where like, hey, if we're really under the new covenant, you know, and I will remember their sins no more. Thus, if I'm in Christ, I can do you want? That's right. <laughs> Freedom in Christ, baby. Like, you know, that that kind of an idea. And Paul's like, no, like if if you're if you're taking the idea that you can sin and sin and sin and continue continue to like um, defraud your brother without any type of repentance, you know? Like you're rejecting God, the God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And like BDK, our, our brother will often say, like, think about the title of the Holy Spirit. What type of spirit is he? Right. So one of his main jobs is to make you holy. Right. This is a really, I I had not ever really thought about this passage in like a uh, conditional salvation type of way. Um, And I don't think, I don't think we should treat it. I think it's, it's a really good warning. Like guys, you need to really watch out. Don't reject God don't reject this teaching and I don't want it to be like if you've if you if you're struggling with this like pornea thing like there's obviously no hope for you mm. I think if you're feeling this if you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit repent yeah right if you're feeling conviction that's from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment.
1: Yeah. What you were describing earlier is like this just like desire to just do what we want because we can. And this is a very different kind of thing with, you know, feeling the need for repentance.
0: Right. People whose consciences have been seared don't feel conviction.
1: Yeah. They justify rather than repent.
0: Right. If you are feeling conviction, that is from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants you to repent. So repent. And that's following the commands of Jesus also, by the way. Go ahead.
1: Just because I've had people that I know that I care about that have like, do like I feel like they've repented and dealt with an issue, but maybe like, I don't know, maybe it's the enemy like, keeping them in this place of like feeling still like not forgiven. How, how would you reconcile that? Like somebody has, you know, transgressed in a way and they have repented, but yet they still keep feeling shame over this thing.
0: There's a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow that uh, Paul talks about. I believe this is in 2 Corinthians 6. I think that's right. It's either 6 or 7, but I think it's 6. Um, if you have confessed and you've repented and you're still dealing with like, you're still feeling de- dealing with shame over something yeah. that you did in the past. One thing I would encourage people to do is spend time in thanksgiving. Okay. Like for real, like try to thank God it very intentionally every day as a discipline. And be more and more mindful of like James one, was it 18, 19, 17? Definitely I can't a good remember. Good and
1: perfect gift.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to be more and more mindful of the goodness of God around you. Um, another thing you might want to do is consider getting some uh, godly counsel, maybe from a pastor or from a very seasoned brother in Christ. If you're if you're a uh, male, if you're a female, a very seasoned sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a female. Um, perhaps praying, and I'm, I'm like scattering broadly, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm doing a shotgun approach. Um, doing a Psalm 139, search me, oh God, test my, you know, I thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe there's something that still is undealt with, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe like you've confessed to like very known things, but maybe there's some like Psalm 19, um, like, uh, unknown sins, like even to you, there's some things, but that the Holy Spirit's trying to bring to your mind. Mm -hmm. Some, some things that you're not totally aware of. Um, you know, maybe there's some issues from your past, um, that you need some professional counseling for, um, that, maybe, you know, voices that you're imposing, you know, I'm not talking about like psychotic things, Yeah. but like a parental, maybe, um, you know, voices that uh, are kind of still haunting you, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, you know, you're a bad boy kind of yeah. things that you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be a, just a number of things Um you need to spend some time in prayer. I, I would encourage a person to really spend time worshiping God too through like song. I think there's a lot of just um, psychological benefit to truly an emotional benefit to truly like singing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, that's a gift of God and it's yeah. a commandment to speak to one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, right, from Colossians.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And of course, that's to one another, but I think it's also a good thing to do just in a private time of devotion, you know?
1: I think, like, just personally, like, sometimes when I feel like, I don't know what to say, like, blocked up or something, like, I feel like I don't, I can't, there's no emotion there. Like, a lot of times, just singing praise songs, like, helps me to, like, I mean, I'll just start weeping sometimes like with certain songs. And like from there, it makes it a lot easier to like express myself to God, to speak those words and to, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But like, there's been a lot of times where that's where I feel that opens up.
0: If you're blocked, there's a line from this band, uh, 10 Shekel Shirts second album. It's called Cheer Up. Mm -hmm. And the line, the opening line of the song is cheer up. You are worse off than you figured, but you are loved anyway. Yeah. Like that's an amazing line. And I would love to like speak that to a lot of particular people online that listen to a lot of the same type of teachings that we do.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That, that are very serious about pursuing holiness. Yeah. But I bet if they struggle in the slightest way, they feel overwhelmed with guilt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, in those moments for y'all that are listening, cheer up, you're way worse than you think. But you're so much more loved than you think too.
1: It's mm. mm. good.
0: And that doesn't mean that we need to like wink at sin by any stretch of the imagination or take sin lightly, by any stretch of the imagination. It just means when we truly encounter the holiness of God, um, it's gonna be our worst day and our best day ever. Y'all think about Revelation chapter one, Jesus best friend on earth was John, right? John was a pretty godly guy, wouldn't y'all say? Y'all who are listening, John, pretty godly guy, especially toward the end of his life. I mean, like this guy's been serving God for 90 years, maybe. Very godly guy. And then he sees the glorified Jesus. And what happens when he sees Jesus glorified? he falls on his face like a dead man and Jesus has to pick him up and tell him not to be afraid. That's what's gonna happen when we see the holiness of God. That's, that's encountering pure goodness, y'all. Like we think, we think we've seen like good people. We think we've seen holy people we've interacted with. That's what encountering sheer goodness will be. Like just absolutely terrifying and then like best day ever followed after that if we are in Christ. Mm. Anyway, so, hey, real quick, we'll do these last uh, few verses and then we'll just give give some parting thoughts on IHOP. Okay. All right. Verse nine through 12. You want to read those? All right, so uh, just some uh, closing thoughts here. It seems like Paul is telling them to, uh, hey guys, um, why don't y'all work hard, okay? This is not Protestant work ethic, by the way, because Protestantism doesn't exist. Neither does the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, But work hard, Mm -hmm. mind your business, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all right? Keep a good witness, and uh, do your best to not be in a position for having to ask for money. What do you think, Steph?
1: What do I think? I think yeah. that, I mean, my first thought when I was reading 12 is that makes a lot of case for being bivocational um, or maybe not paid staff by the church. I don't know, because, you know, something that we've personally experienced is that when you are dependent, then you tend to do things a little differently. Sometimes it's more fear-based rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. But um, I think that there is something to be said before that about, like, living quietly, minding your own affairs and working with your hands. Like, these are all things, like, stay, stay busy, but not, like, busy for the sake of busyness. Like, take care of your family, take care of those around you. Like, you know, there's obviously lots of instructions that go in between all of that that are peppered throughout Paul's teachings, but it's, you know, it's it's kind of, it's simple, I guess is what it sort of sounds like, this simple kind of life of being obedient to Jesus.
0: Yeah. All right, Steph, let's get all eisegesis with this thing. Okay. All right let's let's force the uh, ihop KC situation into this thing. okay All right so how do, how do you feel like this whole situation and by the way, like if you haven't um, caught up on the whole Ihop KC situation I encourage you all to um, check out the wake up and Win podcast um, that's on YouTube. Roy's
1: reports. So. Roy's
0: report is excellent.
1: Yeah. yeah. We've we've kind of gone down this rabbit hole pretty far. Like yeah. we've been following this pretty closely and I guess the idea um in short synopsis is that there is a this big mega church that's internationally known and International the International House of Pancake. In a, no. <laughs> International House of Prayer Kansas City. Kansas City. You have yeah. to add the KC on there. IHOP KC. Yeah. Um and the this celebrity pastor who is now under a lot of allegations along with others in the church for covering up um, potential clergy, sexual abuse, um, sexual um, activities that are improper activities. Anyway, there's a there's a lot there. And um, I think that how this relates is um, there's a lot of talk early in chapter four about, I was trying to pull it back up. Uh, first
0: sorry. Thessalonians, a lot of what did talk about... No, 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 you're just saying in chapter 4 and I was just reminding oh, of us. Oh, chapter
1: of uh, 1 Thessalonians, yeah.
0: About sexual immorality.
1: Sexual immorality and it talks about um
0: this is the will of God for you.
1: Yeah, and controlling their body and then it talks about like transgressing and wronging his brother. And yeah. so I think there's definitely a lot of that. Like they've there was a lot of wrong done to people within the church and they weren't looking out for the um, looking out for others, especially in the sense of like when a complaint is brought forward, you know, treating that seriously, because we know how destructive this sexual immorality can be within a church, and especially from a person in leadership in a church, pastor or otherwise, to a member of the body, somebody who's maybe younger and maybe newer in their faith that is very very serious but i think that's one big way is they're they're wronging their brothers they're they're wronging each other <laughs> so um yeah and the you know god's will for sanctification for them um abstaining from sexual immorality i think there's a lot in this story for those that you know investigate it further there was a lot of prophetic words spoken over young Nineteen-year-old females that they were going to marry someone who was already married. Once their spouse passed away, their spouse was not sick. Their spouse is still alive, but um, I don't know if I'm getting too confusing. (laughs) But it's like this was—he was. This pastor is allegedly um, was telling these young women, "You are going to be my wife one day. We're going to do ministry together. Once my wife dies." Their wife is still alive 20-something years later, but this pastor was encouraging them to engage in improper sexual activities, allegedly. I have to say that because it's alleged.
0: Yeah. And allegedly this happened with other yeah. women too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just horrible. And, you know, perhaps perhaps this pastor Mike Bickle right mm-hmm. uh, did have some type of revelation or dream or open open vision about his wife dying and that kind of a thing perhaps that that did happen but that doesn't mean it was from god yeah that could have been from his imagination it could have been demonic right and so like we need to be testing these things because like Paul is very clear, this is God's will for you that you abstain from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So if, if you think some spirit or you think God is leading you into sexually immoral activity, God is not doing that. If, if you think you're being led to do that, that is not from God. That's not from God. It's not from God. It's not from God. So flee Mm. from that, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm just, go ahead. I was just going to say
1: like, it's so important uh, as a parent or somebody who works with younger people to empower them in that too, because I think it's really easy to trust your leaders um, or to feel like you're supposed to trust them. And so, you know, teaching them to discern, teaching them to you know back things up with God's word. And if it doesn't line up with something you could see Jesus doing, like you would never see Jesus encouraging somebody to cheat on their spouse. Um but I mean I'm sure, I'm never I'm not trying to say anything about these women because they were being manipulated. I'm just saying like as much as possible we need to be making sure that we know God's word and that we are teaching those that are younger. In their faith, or those that are in our families, like how to look out for these kind of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and just one last thing, you know, to to highlight something that you said earlier about um, people being bivocational. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think a a lot of these people, if they were getting their living not from the church, a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff would would not have happened. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. Because I, I I think a lot of the way the church is run right now would not be... I mean, the, these type of churches would not exist.
1: Right. I mean, it, it like churches in Bible times and for many, many years beyond were just like gatherings in people's houses. Like these these were not... <laughs> They weren't places where you were dependent on so much financial stuff coming in. There wasn't a need to, like, preserve the image. There was a need to create a place of integrity, and there was a need to, you know, be people of holiness, but that was just for the sake of, like, you know, honoring God. It wasn't about, you know, preserving this corporation or this giant um, nonprofit organization.
2: Yeah.
0: Now now, to be fair, like there are stories from the second and third century of well, more like the third century but but yeah, of like certain teachers going around like promising that they can teach you to prophesy and things like that if you'll have sex with them
1: no oh. yikes,
0: yeah, but these those are extremely rare kind of things, yeah, you know, and um. These were known as heretics. They were not like set up as famed Bible yeah. prophets, and you know, like these were not celebrated Bible teachers. Yeah, you know, that had massive congregations that were yeah. thought to be incredibly solid Bible churches.
1: Yeah, and you I know think what I'm saying? I do, yeah. and i I think that like the prayer for now is that like these these kind of stories keep coming out and they will probably continue to do so and some of that is because we're just exposing what's been going on for a really long time not we personally but like light is being shed on you know uh abuse that has been going on for a long time that's been swept under the rug but just continue to pray for all the de- deeds of darkness to be brought into the light and for people to see that we are worshiping Jesus and not a man and not a building and you know, we want people to love Jesus and to not allow this to cause people to stumble.
2: Oh, my future.
3: Day after day, working forward to my blow. When I kick my feet up and smile. After pain to eliminate my sorrow, gonna spin my sunset in style. Long came a friend, took me to that story when a man chose gold over life. Of the end, let me to his glory, get my priorities right.